It was a hot, dry day when that band of ego drivers out of Niederdorf rolled up on the Jacko gang. There was that old miner, driving a hundred tons of metal fed by diesel and hungry for vengeance. Hi, I'm Ben, and I'm playing Jones Johnson IV. There was the rag-wrapped exile, leaping out of a strange vehicle they got who knows where. Hi, I'm Lucy, and I'm playing Vake. There was the Wanderer, more machine than man, weary of everything except death. Hi, I'm Jim Ryan, and I am playing Karloff Carradine. And there was the one not much more than a kid, who never got anything she didn't make for herself. Hi, I'm Zoe, and I'm playing Comet Baby Teeth Sharps. Would they all be able to survive the one they called Beat It? Would anyone live to tell the tale? And whose story would they tell? Welcome to Tabletop Garden, an actual play podcast where we collaborate on short, self-contained stories about interesting characters, and we do it with an agenda. I'm Gregory Avery Weir, and this is Ego Driver, a campaign using the Big Eyes, Small Mouth, 3rd Edition rules. As always, our agenda is to honestly portray diverse characters, pursue healthy play practices, and craft story with social responsibility. Additionally, for this campaign, our agenda is to save yourself make it look good, and live like you're dying. I mentioned this last episode, but in our first recording session, we had some issues with Zoe's recording and also some issues with my recording, which will show up in this episode. But we have it cleared up for the future, so it gets a little rough in this episode, but fingers crossed, this is the last of it. If you're interested in supporting Tabletop Garden, you can recommend us to your friends, you can leave reviews on iTunes or the podcasting environment of your choice, or you can support my work on Patreon at patreon.com slash Gregory Avery Weir. We now continue. Tabletop Garden, Ego Driver. And beat it. Let's see. Who's, who's got the highest kill count here? Jones is pretty close, so we'll we'll have him go after Jones. And beat it points it points at Jones, and this gang member fires the missile. Oh dear. Alright, hmm. so he rolled a seventeen to attack and you rolled a sixteen to defend. So that will do damage. Uh it your armor is very high, but it penetrates thirty armor because it's an armor piercing missile. So you will take thirty damage. Alright. And I will start Raz Fraggin Raggin Yelp. And Beat It is still continuing along doggedly. Any of you who who are close to him and, and kind of can read people decently well, he's he's got that look of like, well, if I'm going to go, I'm going to take as many of them out with me as I can. He's not going to be making it through this. And you have arrived at the interchange. Uh, Vake, you're the first one here, and it's, it's one of those standard clover leaves, so you're on a divided highway, but not particularly divided like there's a little bit of dirt between the two sides so you could go to the to the opposite like oncoming side of of the highway if you wanted um and then there's there's Mm -hmm. an off-ramp here that swirls around onto a bridge you could either end up going back the way you came 
or you could uh, spend a little time like going onto an off ramp and then onto an on ramp and then swirling around the clover leaf in a in a loop if you wanted. Okay, well, uh, uh, Vake and Beat It share a similar disposition in that I'm not expecting to be around that long either. So let's see what happens. <laughs> My idea for what I would like to do is basically try to swerve to the side so that I think it's Karloff is no longer directly behind me and then put the car in reverse and drive it backwards directly into the beat it car. All right. So you kind of pull to the side and are like stomping on the brake and then as soon as you're going slowly enough, punching it into reverse and accelerating back towards beat it. Yes, I do plan to exit the vehicle okay. <laughs> before it crashes into the other car by means of my okay, pole. So which way is your tank going? Uh, actually, I would love to get Jolissa on the line so that they could follow me backwards and give me a landing All right, point. What does that conversation sound like? It is in my mind, but it sounds like Jolissa... We're going backwards, like now. All right. Going backwards, like right now. <laughs> so in a, in a beautiful ballet, the two vehicles act almost in sync. The tank is a much better vehicle than this ramshackle hot rod. So it moves a little more gracefully, but the two of them work together quite well. And they're soon hurtling back, I think, immediately past Karloff faster than Karloff is really able to to do much about it. But Comet and Jones can, can see this pretty clearly. Give me your drive check, and I will do a drive check for Beat It. Okay. So there's a mechanic that Beat It may be using at this point where important NPCs and PCs can spend energy points in order to kind of try really hard at a thing. I think this is a circumstance in which he is going to be trying hard, but we'll see if it's necessary because you can pick after you roll. I have rolled a 17. Uh, my specialization is not relevant for my driving this jalopy. You're good at tanks. He rolls a 16, but he does have a specialty. So you are even, but since you're the aggressor, you are winning for a moment. He's kind of playing chicken with you for a while, holding the, the wheel very tight. And then finally, as you, as you get closer and closer, he goes and moves the wheel to one side and just barely swerves out of the way as you climb out of that car and jump onto the tank or are you jumping straight into it i'll jump onto the top of it it's sort of prepared for exactly this thing so there's probably lots of things for me to grab onto the car that you jumped out of now that you're not steering it anymore goes off the side of the road Uh, beat it has survived this immediate encounter and you're now way behind the rest of the group because you're, you're still moving in the opposite direction as them However, can can we agree that it was cinematic? It was very cinematic. Jones, you can see this this interchange coming up. Vake has just zipped past you and not managed to take out Beat It. What do you do? There's some some jerkwad leaning out of Beat It's car with a with some kind of, of launcher of yep. rockets. I, I'm not approving of this. I would like to uh, to hand them a rocket back. Excellent. In, in the form of uh, a stick of TNT and. Uh, this may be a cold shot because you've given me a sunroof. Yeah, I think that if you want to chuck it and get it right in the sunroof, since he's standing in the sunroof 
at the moment, I think that's going to be a minus six, the equivalent to like a headshot. Well, I do have uh, skills Excellent. against that. I have, I have dead and eye. It drops at one stage, so it drops it to a three, minus three. Okay. Yeah, I'm feeling this is this is important enough. So I'm going to actually pull a little bit closer, okay. just so that I can lean out. Yeah, drop this, you bastard! And then toss the explosives at him. And I'll roll beat its defense. He's moving the car around, which is more important than than what the yeah. gunner is doing. So you rolled a 13, which would turn into a 10. Beat it rolled an 11. I'm going to use one of my rerolls. Okay. So you have something called Divine Relationship, which lets you just be lucky. Yep, I feel this is something I'm lucky on. It's bouncing on the hood, and then... It drops right into the sunroof. So let's pause for a moment as this explosive is sitting in the floorboards of Beat It's car. And I will ask Karloff, how are you dealing with this interchange coming up, this clover leaf that you're very quickly approaching and can't go straight on? Well, funny thing, when I did the last retool on this character, I was able to buy back jumping for my vehicle. So I'm wondering if I have a sufficient amount of it to be able to clear this intersection. Quite possibly. You've got, what, jumping three? That's pretty high. What yeah. does your car do that lets it jump? This is uh, one of those weird... Physics-defying things that one sometimes sees in uh, uh, media of this kind. I'm imagining it as being not unlike the Knight Rider Turbo Boost, <laughs> basically. <laughs> where there is a point where rockets that have been concealed in the undercarriage will suddenly burst forth and fire. <laughs> lifting the vehicle. <laughs> this this <laughs> clunky Humvee thing. Up and over the terrain. Excellent. Are you looking to land on the other side of that of the rubble, or like up on the overpass? I think that well, we need to deal with beat it. I have a feeling that we're about to with the the forthcoming explosion. But just in case, I think I want to be in a position where I can uh, have the high ground on them. If I can get from the overpass down to the other side fairly quickly afterward, I think I'm going to go for the overpass. Okay. Uh, give me. I guess this is a drive roll. Okay. <laughs> this is probably this is probably tricky. Go. This is probably a TN twelve. Okay, let's see what happens. <laughs> you only live once. That's right. But you can jump oh, often. Yeah. Oh yeah. That would be a twenty three. Jesus. <laughs> Your rockets fire and you launch into the air. Comet, what what are you doing with this interchange as C is doing this? If I see that a stick of dynamite has just been thrown into the car, I'll probably just take the, the safe route and go up an exit ramp, one so that I can turn back around and go in the opposite direction, unless there's enough clearance for me to do like an e-brake, like power slide turn before the rocks happen so I can drive by the explosion and get a I good think look you at can, it. You can definitely do an e-brake if you want to. I would like to do that then. That seems, again, the most cinematic. And I would also, if, well, if I'm successful, let's find out first. That's a 16. All right, that's more than enough. Great. This makeshift ambulance spins and does an e-brake turn, immediately heading back the, the other direction on this highway as uh, Karloff's vehicle flies majestically through the air. <laughs> Can his car jump over my car while I turn backwards? Yes, he sails like <laughs> yes. directly over your head, <laughs> hits Bingled so that he's like landing on one of the ramps so that he can turn as he lands and be on the overpass and not go over the other side. Vake is still kind of vanishing into the distance from their attempt. And Jones, are you going to bother stopping? 
I'm just going to turn on the the forward drill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Jones just probably kind of casually looks forward and turns on the the giant spinning drill on the front yes. of front of his vehicle. Comet zooms past beat its car as there's an enormous explosion and Jones's vehicle just plunges straight through the rubble leaving a relatively tidy hole in his wake that the rubble's short enough that it's not like a perfect tunnel but there is like just a break in the rubble now and jones is continuing just fine on the other side and beat its car slowly rolls to a stop as the explosion is happening i'm making up sound into my loudspeaker (laughs) to to complement the actual explosion sound excellent so we will jump forward to your return to town most of this world that you're in is wasteland it's it's empty dust it's dry rocks it's dead plants there's there are things living but they're even the the plants that are living in this space look dead because they've changed and and evolved as quick as they can to deal with the radiation and other strange effects of of the disaster that happened just a generation or two ago but there are a few bright points and one of them is the town of niederdorf as you're approaching it uh with some of you with more damage on your on your vehicles than others you see the outer barrier first and around this city is a bunch of like concrete bollards and wrecked cars stood upright in a very very large circle that's not a it's not a solid wall but it is tight enough that it's very hard to drive through and there's a checkpoint on the road that has just a whole lot of guards with weapons and they're all wearing these gray uniforms that are the guards of niederdorf they wave you on through and within that barrier you see a whole lot of fields the color of green on these fields is shocking because out in the wasteland you're seeing grays and dusky greens and tans and beiges but the the color of the plants here is impossible anywhere else because at the center of this city beyond the fields beyond the rather impressive looking wall that is their their final defense against raiders beyond the buildings that have been restored and are actually rather nice for this world there is a large facility that surrounds the wreckage of the terror engine that that fell to earth and it generates the energy that allows this environment to stay hospitable to grow plants to have clean air to reduce radiation it is a very striking contrast to the world outside probably you're allowed into the guard garage to do whatever maintenance you need to do on your vehicles you're seeing all these cops keeping the peace among a bunch of of civilians which civilians don't really exist out in the outside world even in the even in jones mine like everyone kind of knew how to protect themselves but there are people here who don't have to worry about that you've got a little bit before you have to report in for your job uh, and you're welcome to spend it in town however you like i'm gonna ask each of you real quickly what you do in the the small amount of time you have in this oasis before you are learning when you have to head out again um so 
Ben, what is Jones doing? So Jones has uh, two things he needs to do. Um, in my brain, a rocket launcher probably tore off one of his uh, one or two of his armor panels he added to this vehicle. So he's probably got to do a little bit of work to to fix that and get some new steel plating to, to bolt back into place. But the uh, the one thing that he definitely does whenever he comes into the nice towns is he goes to try and get himself a can of tobacco. That's definitely one of the pleasures of city life that he he goes and looks for whenever he's in town. All right, you're able to get the necessary supplies and repairs to your vehicle, and you head into town, and you walk into a store. Like this is not this is not the 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 you know supply depot. This is a place where there's a counter and there's a man behind it who looks at you kind of appraisingly and disapprovingly as you enter and says, "How can I help you?" Well, sir, I'm I'm looking for some some nice cigarette tobacco so I can roll some up myself. Are you looking for the nice tobacco or the affordable tobacco? Uh, well, I suppose if you're asking the question, I'm going to say affordable. I thought that that might be what you meant. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, goes back to, to like a little box back behind his counter, and he takes out a scale and shovels with a scoop some tobacco onto a little paper that he's got lined out on, on one of the pans of the scale, and is sort of looking at you to see guidance on how much weight of it you want. And you can, with how much you're getting paid for this job, you can afford a decent amount of the affordable tobacco. Well, I've probably got a pouch that I'll pull out, look at it, kind of weigh the pouch in my hand, and then just kind of look at them and like, you know, gesture for a little more, and say, ah, it's probably about right. He kind of sniffs and folds up the packet, uh, and then kind of holds it and waits for you to... Are we still a currency economy? Yeah, I think you've got coins that are minted here in, in Niederdorf. Okay. Their, their technology is, is pretty good. I figured paper might might be too destructible in this world. Yeah, they're dealing with metal currency. All right, I'll I'll take the bag and kind of shuffle it into the pouch, and I'm sure he'll love this. But I kind of hand him back the piece of paper, or just put it on the table, and then put a few coins. When you put the paper back, he crumples it up into a ball and throws it away. Ah, oh, thank you very much. I always do appreciate uh, some of the nicer leaf you guys have here. Can't quite grow the good stuff out where I'm at. And I'll just kind of make my way out. Well, uh, have a good one. says, have a good day yourself. So, Lucy, how is Vake spending their time? Vake is going to put in earplugs and firmly affix their goggles. And then they will make their way to whatever sort of medical facility this place has. There's a pretty decent clinic that's real near that central facility where the terror engine is. You enter and everything is very clean, clearly been scrubbed. There's the smell of, of bleach in the air. <sighs> so nice. There are a lot of bright lamps shining on exam tables and well-lit x-ray light boxes. And a, uh, a woman in blue scrubs kind of looks you over as if she knows that clearly you cannot possibly be as injured as your bandages all over you would suggest. And she says, are you, you one of those ego drivers? 
Yes, I'm damaged. I need medical care. What's the problem? You're going to need to... You want to take some of those rags off? You can step in back here if you want privacy. I don't particularly care about privacy. I'll start unwinding some of the bandages. I got shot by a shotgun. That's all. It was a lot of shotgun. She says, we don't normally deal with many people who survived a shotgun blast. She kind of lays you out on a... I have an exciting learning opportunity available for you. So it seems she takes out some tools and several of them are are not a sort of technology that is very common. She's got like a weird little caulk gun. It's like a little uh, thing to, to spray a material from a vial. And it's this strange blue goo that's in a vial that she's... I'm sorry. I'm not sure that goo is going to work for says, me. Well, you don't want to heal it the old fashioned way, do you? I mean, we've got the engine here. We can heal you up much faster than you'd be able to get healed out there. But is it sticky? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure why that matters, but it's it's more it's more slick. It's suspended in a neutral lubricant. Slick sounds acceptable. Sticky uh, is it, not. I don't need to impress upon you the importance of this adjective choice. Is it slick or is it sticky? We won't spill any of it. Slick, sticky, slick, sticky. Which one I'll is it? Stick with slick. All right then, proceed. She gives you. Do you take anesthetic as she digs pieces out of you? Okay. No. Um, no. She actually looks a little pale as you turn down the anesthetic, but she picks bits of shot out of you and and injects this goo into your wounds and very very carefully like wipes off any that gets outside of your body with a piece of bandage with alcohol on it. And was she right? Is it slick and it not is sticky? Slick. You you are very suspicious that when it dries, it will be sticky, but none of it seems to have gotten on your skin. All right. It's all gone inside your skin. All right. This seems like we can manage. Jim, what is Karloff doing to to spend their brief time here? Well, Karloff is pretty much the definition of antisocial, as uh, he's internally sneering at all of these soft civilians. What he's primarily going to do is just uh, for practical stuff. I assume we've been paid already, yes? You've been allowed to use whatever facilities are around. You got an advance before you headed out, and you'll get the rest of your payment when you meet with Mayor. All right. So I'm going to leave my death junker uh, in the, uh, the, the motor pool area, wherever it is sort of securely, wherever we plug it in to harvest the energies. Uh, or whatever it is that we do, and uh, sort of uh, getting out of the vehicle, put on my black stets, and and uh, just uh, pull up the, uh, the the leather duster around me. Gra- grab my blade slinger, which looks a lot like a, a crossbow, mm-hmm. uh, but it uh, fires uh, circular saw blades. Nice. And uh, you know, sort of sling that over the, my shoulder securely, lock the, the vehicle, and uh, go ahead and. Uh, Head out to grab uh, a couple of supplies, make sure I have enough mines and harpoons. I want to make sure I've, uh, I, I, I'm well supplied with those since I used a couple. The stuff you're doing is probably uh, in among the guard supplies, just inside the, the gate on the main wall of the city. One mm-hmm. of the guards in gray who's working at the quartermaster's place, you put in your request, and as someone's fetching it, uh, he sort of gets chummy in that way of like hey we're both people who risk our lives every day (laughs) and he says so 
how is it out there? You running any trouble putting down those punks? No. They went down a little too easy, if you ask me. Well, easy's good, right? I mean, it's good to have an easy day once in a while. You know what I mean? Well, sometimes. A lot of times that heralds worst days coming. We gotta keep an eye out. Well, with you, uh, you ego drivers out there, I bet the, the fine folks in Niederdorf don't have anything to worry about. I just sort of narrow my eyes behind my sunglasses so we can't really see it, just sort of at this guy. This is a guard, though, right? So yeah. this is someone who at least appears to be fairly handy when it comes to such things. Just sort of look over my shoulder and just sort of shake my head. So. I don't think any of them would last five seconds against what's out there. He shakes his head as if sympathizing with you, but also it kind of seems like maybe actually thinking about what the citizens would do out in the wasteland has kind of bummed him out. Yeah. <laughs> he steps away and finishes the paperwork. I think you're getting, like, metal that you can bend and hammer into shape, as well as, yeah. like, they're they're perfectly willing to help you with, with that, but they, they've probably got, like, spikes that are used for repairing fences and, and that sort of thing that, that you're yeah. adapting to your purposes. Cool. So I'm going to just get a hold of that stuff and start heading back to the vehicle to uh, work on it a little bit until it's time to go and, uh, and see the mayor. Zoe? Uh, what is Comet doing? I think uh, Comet probably takes stock of the, uh, the the mobile lab in the back of the Volvo um, upon getting back to town and uh, noticing some uh, shotgun holes in a few different, you know, jars and, and bottles. Uh, nothing nothing too toxic that's, that's uh, puncture-proof, but... Uh, she's probably going to go to probably a, a seedier part of town. There's like a warehouse district or something. I imagine she has um, contacts where she gets the like non-medical grade chemicals and, uh, you know, stuff to, to, to synthesize her own medications and stuff like that. Um, so if she's got a, a butt out there, I'd love to make a stop by. He's probably also help her work on the car and give her a space for that too, for some of the less savory purposes all right have you lived like if you know this person have you lived around niederdorf for a while now yeah i would i would imagine that niederdorf is where i'm where i'm sort of semi from okay before i joined the ego drivers ego driver is generally used as kind of a generic name for people who can operate the sort of technology that is part of your vehicles for some reason the technology that comes from the from the terror engines doesn't work for everyone not everyone has the knack to get it to to function properly and the further away it is from gotcha. the engines the more it tends to act up and break mm -hmm. and you got the knack for keeping it running that that's clear something i would i would guess that i know a guy so he uh he says uh your car's more beat up than usual everything go all right out there uh, I, I took a few bad hits. I, I, I made some, um, I made some adjustments, uh, last time, and I think I, uh, well, I really, I really put a lot of time into, um, you know, offensive tactics, and I really, uh, these guys hit a little harder, you know, and I think, I think I'm gonna try to, you know, I mean, are you, if, if you want to buy some of this stuff off me, I'm gonna just, it's some powerful shit, my friend. Um, but but that's not that's not why I'm here. Do you have any uh, do you have any HM five dash dash thirty seven in like a like a liquid or a powder would actually be better? Uh, do you guys have any of that around? Boy, uh, we don't have much call for for that uh in the 
storehouses, but I can probably uh, synthesize some up and have it for you when you're done with your meeting. Uh, I mean, I I know I don't have to tell you how to keep it like safely contained. Yeah, yeah, this one thankfully wasn't uh, one of the ones that um, got blown up, but uh, it is. I'm running a little bit low, and uh, I, well, let me just let me just show you a couple of these, uh, these other things. I might give any, you know, just like some better, uh, uh, like a, a nice little safe or something like that. That maybe maybe is sh- sh- machine gun proof, maybe machine gun proof safe for some of the stuff. Because I'm, you know, I thought the mobile lab thing was a good idea for a while, and then. Right. I don't know. I might be in a little oh, over wait, my head. Uh, well, I don't. I don't have much cause to deal with machine guns in my day to day, but uh, we we can see what we got. Uh, and you you head off to look at stuff. Just a just a just a pretty pretty sturdy sturdy box, or you know, just just see what you can do for me. So after a, a couple hours, uh, you all reconvene, waiting outside the office of Mayor Leopold. His office is very near the facility where they keep the engine. You're in a dark room with fancy leather chairs that are as well-maintained as any furniture you have seen from the old world. He's got a uh, a good-looking secretary. She uh, is deliberately ignoring you as you wait for your appointment time. And finally, she looks up and she says, All right, the mayor will see you now. Well, thank you, darling. You uh, step into his office, which is full of bookshelves with intact books. He has a a large wooden desk. You can't tell whether that's recent build or or old build, but this is is a very nice room. He's a a man in a well-cut gray suit. He's a little heavy set, and he has a very thick white beard that goes halfway down his chest. And you can see that on his desk, he has uh, piles and piles of folders that are currently all closed and they have different colors of material that they're made out of. And he says, well, well done out there. You uh, seem to have demonstrated your usefulness very well. The city of Niederdorf thanks you. Is the city of Niederdorf also paying oh, us? Yes, well, of course. And he uh, takes four lock boxes off of his desk and I guess lines them up on the front side of his desk. And each of them has like a key and it's lock. And he says, I think you'll find that it's all there. Uh, feel free to look it through. Let me know if there's anything missing. We want to do right by you folks. I will immediately go to my box and open it. Same. Yep. It's full of coins. It, it will take a while to count them all, but they are all there. And he says, now, now listen, I want to give you folks time to repair and recuperate, but I've received reports on shortwave that there's, there's an encampment about a four hours travel out where uh, one of the Jacko gang lieutenants is, is holding court. Their assaults on us have become more insistent lately. We've had some some caravans hit, and uh, they're enough of a problem that I think it's time to definitely take the fight to them. As soon as you all are ready, you people should head out and go take out that encampment. You're using some words there that I'm not sure you understand the complete value of. When you say, take a fight to them say more about what you mean do you mean us four drive our vehicles there Mayor leopold looks at fake and says ah forgive me i i know that um, we tend to use more flowery language here in town what i mean is that you should drive to this encampment and kill them all check any questions how many are there they vary on when you show up and 
how there are information is a little sketchy but uh seems like this is a small group that tends to travel out from this this site so sounds like a report says maybe 20 of them in total but you, they're likely not all there at the same time so maybe they have like a barbecue on Tuesdays, so we should probably, you know, hit them while they're all there? Or, I mean, what's the idea here? Just to drive off a couple of them? Are we trying to, I mean, do we need to stake it out? Stake it out? I'm not going to a barbecue of any kind. <laughs> the important thing is that you take out the lieutenant. Whoever's in charge of that group needs to die. Oh, do we got ourselves a name? I always love putting those on my checklist. Our code name for him is Smooth Criminal. I work for me. <laughs> Damn it, Greg. And at that, I'm sensing a theme. Jones will actually pick up the the boxes. He hasn't touched his chest yet. Grab the key and just put them straight in his pocket. I'm just going to step forward and look down at the mayor and say, "Hits cost double." He uh, he sucks his teeth and says, "Well." I reckon this is pretty important, and we'll be working with you on an ongoing basis, so if that's amenable to the rest of you, we're uh, we're willing to pay. Twist my arm. Yeah, sounds like a plan. So what day we said we wanted to do this? Tuesday? Catch him on the barbecue? It was a metaphor. Uh, no, absolutely not. No oh, barbecue. come on. I can give him a couple explosives that look like hot dogs. It'll be a ton of fun. Ooh. I like the sound of that. Oh, oh, just the thought of it makes me feel like I'm going to vomit. Okay, okay. Why don't we head out on Monday then, and we'll shoot them up before they have the barbecue. That sounds ideal. All right. We should head out and do recon on them as soon as we can. I'm all for that. As soon as I get my car fixed up. You guys just shrugged off all that damage like it was nothing. Gotta give me some pointers. I sought medical care. Uh, if you want, I can strap some more armor plating on yours. Just, just... Got to put the bolts in there, tighten them, you know, once every week or so. I think I can handle it. So, we're using Big Eye's Small Mouth, and it is a very old-fashioned system. Most of you have been role-playing for a long time, so you're familiar with what role-playing systems used to be like. Zoe, I think you've played Pathfinder. Yeah, a couple years now. Lots of math. So, so you, you know, like, yeah, that old-school lots of math thing. The whole, like, point-by-character construction whole lot of numbers attitude of besom once i set up an excel spreadsheet that calculated and recalculated and tallied everything for me it was way less daunting but like going into it never having looked at the player's handbook before and like never having done a character build like that it was like it, it was a big barrier to entry i think um whereas creating a character and like D D 5e takes like 15 minutes practically like it is it is easy and even if you were you know creating custom classes and stuff it still i think would be way faster now that i have a better idea of like how everyone else is set up um i could very easily make some small adjustments and level things out uh and be much happier and fit in better with the general vibe of damage and armor and whatnot may i just uh speak the wonders of Zoe's spreadsheet. It's very good. <laughs> well, I do spend all day at work making spreadsheets, basically. But modern systems don't tend to require spreadsheets anymore. 
Yes. I think I think Jim probably expressed the most frustration during character creation. <laughs> character creation filled me with so much rage. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, I think I was uh, about ready to. I didn't have a physical book, but I was getting ready to to find some way to just print out the PDFs and scatter them on the road and drive over them. <laughs> I, I was consumed with so much rage at that point. I was reminded somewhat of Champions yep. a little bit uh, in the character creation, and even as, as I'm playing. I've played Champions back in the day, and uh, it was always having had other folks put the characters together for me because it involved needing to know so much already to do it that you can't just casually look through the book and build a character this was a thing where back in the day back in the 90s uh, i had some time to actually read through an entire rule book but ones that had this many layers of detail it just was was not a thing that i could get to even back then let alone now when i'm distracted all over the place with social media and what have you and doing uh various things that I do. So just having that in front of me, I realized this is one of those things where I'd have to have read the entire book and memorized the entire book in order to uh, actually make a character correctly. Or at least that was the impression that I got from it uh, on uh, the second or third attempt that I took at uh, rebuilding this guy. There are many things that I miss about the 90s. This is not one of them. <laughs> One of the more kind of more modern natural choices for a campaign like this would be Apocalypse World, which mm -hmm. is like, yeah, yeah. here's a sheet, pick one of four choices a few different times, and you're set and ready to go. And I think that I definitely prefer that experience. I think that one thing that I was looking for with using Besom is that feeling of detail to how your vehicle works right like the fact that you all could make weird off the wall pieces of equipment that were supported by rules feels like simulationy and yes very 90s -y, that grittiness and chunkiness i don't know i'm using very aesthetic terms to describe these rules but <laughs> i think that that's a thing that i was really reluctant to give up I mean, we could have like used, is it Fate that has the thing where you can be like, okay, I'll just put tags on these abilities to kind of narratively simulate that. Yeah, usually you can tag someone with an aspect. But for some reason, it felt like numbers were what, what I wanted to see in this system. Well, you got your wish. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I'll be the person taking the, uh, the other side of the coin. I haven't played Bessem 3, but I used to play a little bit of Bessem 2. And speaking of champions, I'm actually still in a champions game right now, running champion six. One of the things Whoa. I may have commented about when we were first creating characters is these are kind of systems where I'm used to a, a firm hand on how do we handle the wideness of the powers? How do we, mm -hmm. all right, here's a rough power level cap, defense cap, and one of the things I know I forgot on version one of this, which is that this is, uh, Bessem's one of the systems where attacks are four times more effective than defenses typically. Mm -hmm. You think, oh, I put 20 points in defense and 20 points in attack, and then you realize your attack will 
blow through your defenses and all your hit points and have 20 points to spare and you're like oh oops <laughs> i did that yeah and i kind of just said hey here's the number of points you have here are a few tips make a thing and we'll take a look at it and see if we need to adjust stuff and i think that that did not improve the complexities of the system both champions and besom pretty much all the crunchy point buys are pretty difficult i mean i will say Besom is a step down from champions, which makes you do multiplication and division rather than addition and subtraction. So it is a little easier on that aspect, but it's still a hard system for people without exposure and someone hand-holding them through their first or second or even third character. I have a very vivid memory of the one time I played champions, somebody making my character while I dozed on the couch. So this kind of system is not what I'm used to. And I thought it had a very steep learning curve. Like at first, I thought it was extremely overwhelming. But then once you learn a few of the larger designs about the way it works, like once I understood the way items operated, sort of as things within things, it made a lot of it make more sense. So I do think some of it is the way it's presented in the book. I think maybe it's presented in an overly complicated way. Yeah, I think one thing that's that modern role-playing games do, both in how they present the information and what rules they're presenting, is just make stuff accessible. Like, make it so that you don't need to be inducted into this secret society of role-players where someone has to be like, oh, well, remember to take awkward size on your vehicle to make it bigger oh, and get yeah. that extra number of points. <laughs> or, or, oh, no, well, you see the alternate attack on your vehicle gets divided in two because it's an alternate attack and then it gets divided in two at the end because it's on your vehicle. Like, all that stuff, I think that people are wisely moving away from in the sort of zeitgeist mm. of games. I, I just want to also mention uh, that... Uh, first, I think if it had been just like a separate list that, you know, uh, unattached to the rest of the math for doing vehicles, I probably would have had an easier time mm -hmm. with it. Yeah. That list can be as long as it wants, as long as it's just that, and I know that that's the only thing I have to that's look at. That's like, uses the same rules for vehicles and for people. You just are buying things for each. And I mean, I understand the utility of that, but getting into that, I think that uh, also did have a barrier to entry. Uh, like my experiences with Champions, I had fun playing. Yeah. Once we actually get rolling, I'm fine with it and I enjoy it. The system's not that big a deal to me to try to use in play, well, especially since we've got Roll20 in front of us and everything's kind of calculated and I just hit a button. That's very nice. Yes, That's that was awesome. Easier. Oh man, that was so great. Thank you, yeah. Gregory, for putting that <laughs> Yes, that made my so life much. so much better. <laughs> sure thing. But do you think that the fact that it's easy to use and the experience of playing it justifies that level of complexity with character creation? No. <laughs> I do not think it does. I'm going to say yes, but I mm -hmm. think it's fair to say no. I think most gamers I've gamed with would say no. There's, uh, I think a certain personality and approach enjoys that grittiness and enjoys having that level of control over the details and minutiae of, of your character. And I think that some players don't. It's weird, like having played role-playing games that are less complicated and just as fun. It seems like you can, I don't know, if you're not as creative and you don't want as much of a story-based game uh, and you like doing all that math and that's part of the fun for you, then super awesome and i don't know that it's that it's a matter of how creative you are and more like 
from where do you want the creativity to arise? Like, yes. Do you want to be creative about the numbers that you're putting out, or do you want to just be pulling them from thin air? That is a much better way of putting what I was trying to say. Yeah, so I think it was it, the gameplay was very fun, and it made me feel very accomplished after putting everything together to see it in action, which was part of the fun. Um, and now after one session, I feel like it wouldn't be as hard in the future. Like, it's not unreasonably complicated. Uh, I don't know how this Champions thing is, but y'all are making it sound pretty scary. <laughs> It's real complicated. Um, so I would, I would do it. I would do it again, but I wouldn't choose it over an ap- apocalypse world or fate or five E or something like that. This is one of those games that I'd be happy to uh, play again, just like I'd be happy to play Champions again. Uh, but I would require other people to make my characters for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending the time to make them, because I know that it was a matter of weeks that that we were putting these together before recording. So I appreciate you all spending the time for it. I I ended up enjoying making it a lot more than I thought I was going to. (laughs) How much time has passed between last session and now? You've probably spent a day or two in town. Modifying your vehicles so that they match with the game better? Quite possibly, yes. Let's chat about modifications that you've done. I have depowered a couple of my weapons, uh, including the lance, which I massively depowered, and the machine gun, which I slightly depowered. No, pretty significantly. Never mind. I have more armor now, and I have some more hit points. I messed with my combat-enhancing drug cocktail, and I am now slightly tougher. I put a lot of armor on my car. Uh, someone offered to help me last week. Yeah, Jones. Cause thanks, thanks, Jones. You, you and Jones are both going around wearing jean jackets, so, you know. Uh, That's a natural kinship. Natural kinship right there. You're in the denim club. Yep. Was it Jones who wanted to add a uh, harpoon gun to his car? Jones needed to find stats for the backhoe's grapple mechanic. Gotcha. And I did some looking up of the rules, and I basically gave my vehicle proficiency in unarmed combat. That seems like the correct way to represent that. So the vehicle has the ability to exert its weight a little more effectively, so in crashes, I now do more damage than I take myself. And that also gives stats for the grapple attack. So when he uses the claw to, like, grab at people or vehicles, it's now got actual stats instead of just a random check. Nice. All of your vehicles have been repaired. You've gotten patched up at the medical center. And I don't know if any of you spent energy points, but you've got those back as well. Oh, we have energy points? (laughs) So you've got energy points that are based on your, it's your mind plus your soul times five. And you can spend 10 of those to get a plus one on a roll. Mm. I was hoping to add some armor to myself. You can jockey around character points or just spend some you have unspent. And Okay, I have some unspent, so I'll just do it. Okay. So you have been given this location of this encampment. There's some pretty decent maps of the area. Most of them are pre-disaster that have been updated over the years. They've been copied from like government maps or road atlases, but marks have been made on what's changed due to time or due to some of the strange effects of this apocalypse. 
your general site for this area, the camp is near the top of a mountain in an open area that used to be some sort of parking lot for some sort of tourist trap. And there are a few different approaches. You can take a rather direct one over the, the ridge of these mountains and kind of end up above this encampment. Or you can come up a windy road from below in order to go up this windy road, you would have to go through a space that's marked anomalous on the map. <laughs> and you all know that when the subaltern ships came down, they broke certain parts of the planet in a strange way. Their technology was very odd. And so anomalous areas can be rather weird. Are there like road signs up with images of people drifting into the void? Because that would be awesome. <laughs> In some places, yes, you'll see signs of yes. kind of people have made where they've taken an old road sign, usually a, a big highway sign, so it's easy to see, and they've painted like a starry rift on it. Or um, okay, okay, I I know this is probably the wrong tactical idea, but I so want to go the anomaly route now. Absolutely, <laughs> I don't think we can go anywhere else now. <laughs> okay, it sounds faster. Yeah. It's a shortcut. It's it's certainly more direct. It should be just fine. What could go wrong? All right. So you approach this encampment, and when you get near this area that's marked anomalous on your map, you can see that the roads themselves start lifting off of the ground. They ramp up into the air and twist around, and in some places you can see some side pathways do a full 360-degree loop in midair before continuing. You can tell by the way that the wind is blowing dust or the way that scrub and trees are growing on the roads that it's not that something has picked up these roads, but that space itself has been twisted around to create loops where you're as long as you're going you'd say decently fast you'd be able to stick to these loops and traverse them awesome <laughs> you're traveling through this anomaly in order to get to the encampment oh heck yeah definitely <laughs> fuck yeah all right if it's more direct as you said then i mean it, it's only logical nobody expects anyone to come up the anomaly path <laughs> Also a great point. Who would be crazy enough to come up the anomaly path? <laughs> Everybody give me drive checks, please. <laughs> oh, this went downhill fast, I think. I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> Probably a 12 to get through unsullied. All right. Everybody got at least a 17. So you did just fine. Uh, you're you're zipping around in places these roads are like splitting in two and drifting apart so you're looking up or down at each other as you're driving in a in a rough convoy you probably given the dust don't tend to travel in single file unless you're in a particularly sketchy area just because you don't you want to be able to see better without having the the exhaust and dust blowing in your faces jones you're probably I'm guessing the one for whom this is most troublesome because your vehicle is designed to be able to burrow through things and these roads are rather thin. And so with your experience in both digging and in driving your vehicle, you know that like if something goes wrong, there's not much ground between you and unknown gravitational situations. Ooh. Yeah. Don't exactly have parachutes on this thing either. 
So eventually you end up on the other side of this anomalous area and you're looking at this winding road that's going up the mountain. Now, does anyone have the thing on their car where their engine is audible? Oh, yeah. Okay. So any of you who have an audible engine, you're going to be limited in your ability to sneak up on this area. Am I the only one that's loud? I think so. Because if so, I do have a cheat for that. I have ocean sounds playing inside of my vehicles, so <laughs> I'm not going to know about it if you want to do something. That'll cancel everything out. I think it'll be fine. <laughs> I considered putting some experimental jazz on my loudspeaker to go with the strange <laughs> environment, but I decided against it because of the stealth <laughs> effort. I don't know, baby teeth, can you be like, shh, <laughs> Just make ambient sounds. <laughs> I just want to be clear. These ocean sounds are on my character sheet. I paid for those. <laughs> if you guys are wishing to be quieter, I do have the ability to dampen my sounds a bit. As long as we can keep the velocity to a reasonable number. In character, Vake will always strongly encourage you to make your vehicle <laughs> as quiet as possible. Okay. I think we wanted to try to do the thing where we were going to get close enough to do a recon before we struck them. Is that right? I definitely agree with that uh, after several close calls and other role-playing scenarios. Um, I'm a big fan of recon. Make sure they're not all getting ready for the picnic. No, it was a barbecue. Yeah, it's a barbecue. Yes, yes. Monday barbecue. No, it's the barbecue's on Tuesday. We're not right. going to the barbecue. We decided. We're, we're crashing the barbecue. We wanted to make before. sure that how many of them were coming to the barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> well, they would have RSVP'd, but... We, we are ruining the barbecue by showing up prior to it. And All right, I'm back in then. We're ruining the barbecue. That. Yes. It really doesn't matter if we take these people out. Or not, like we've been paid to do. The real important goal is ruining the barbecue. <laughs> so, Jones, how do you plan on getting close enough to ruin the barbecue without tipping them off? Well, my, my logic is, since we're through the anomaly, there's ground again. And if I go mm -hmm. underground, that will dampen the sound. Uh-huh. May delay me around if, like, we get jumped. I may delay me around so I can get back to the surface. But all of my sonar scans work underground, so... I can still do my uh, range finding and things like that and detecting, you know, how many people are moving around and stuff like that from underground. But we do have to slow down because I can't go at 200 kph underground. Naturally. And go at about 100 kph. But Jesus. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so he gives you the numbers and I assume, yeah, all of you would have reasonably functioning speedometers, so you'd be able to stick to that. You get to the base of this mountain. You're kind of coming out of this valley where all this anomalous terrain is living. Most of you turn onto this winding switchback road that goes up the side of the mountain, whereas Jones just turns directly into the rock wall and turns on the drill that's at the front of his vehicle, and it starts spinning very fast. And there's an enormous echoing boom as it impacts the, the stone. But, you know, it's far enough away that it could be just something falling in the anomalous area if you're at a distance. And he disappears unsettlingly fast into the ground. It's clear that whatever is letting him do this is not human technology entirely. He's taking the direct route. 
So the rest of you keep your speed low enough and take the, the corners slowly, and you soon are able to spot where you're going to emerge out onto this flat area where the encampment was reported to be. Um, you're able to stop kind of at the last curve and peer over the rise. Are you all staying in your cars, or are you, like, sneaking out and getting into the underbrush? Mm. Uh, before they clear the the ridge, can I do a, basically one of my sonar pings just to see if there's, like, people driving around, like, right across on the other side of the ridge so they don't pop their head up like a shooting gallery? Yes, although I will ask, do any of you have radios? I do. I have enough points to have had a radio. And it would make sense, narratively, if we were working together. I do not have a radio, and I am opposed to the idea. I think I'm fine with you just saying whether or not you'd have one. Um, I would have a radio. I will say that if you don't have it on your sheet, you probably can't, like, have a secure channel. You can have, like, a CB radio sitting around in your car, but other folks could listen in unless you did something mm. to make it so that couldn't happen. I probably have one that I have broken in rage and repaired several times. Okay. So, Karloff has a bad radio. Yes. <laughs> Baby Teeth has a decent radio, and Jones has an actual, like, radio suitable for a miner to use. Makes sense. I'm assuming we may have discussed this prior to now, Although if we think not, that's okay too. I think we would have had at least one point said, hey, if we have to talk, we can use CB channel 7 well, or whatever. Jolissa can um, be on the ham or whatever. Oh, does Jolissa have, have the ability to listen in? That seems like that's in the realm of their capability. Okay. So, Jones, you sent out a sonar pulse and you can see the three other vehicles of your companions on that road just before that final rise and you can also see a decent number of vehicle sized objects out on this flat area and you're good enough at using this that you can tell kind of which ones seem dense enough and structured to be intact vehicles mm -hmm as opposed to just like rusting heaps that are in this parking lot. It looks like there are nine vehicles, and you're getting shadows of roughly nine, ten people. It's harder to detect them as well, but you'd say, if you were to guess, you'd say ten, but two of them are kind of staying close together. Okay. They're not moving around much. They are outside of their vehicles at the moment and, like, out in a rough circle near the center. Your thing's sonar-based, right? Uh, yeah, that makes the most sense to me. Then you're also getting this like low level like weird rumble and pop. This is probably a sound that you'd know how to recognize as a as a miner. It's it's a fire. Okay. And it's evening, late afternoon, kind of sunset is starting to turn the sky a bit orange. And so that makes sense for them to have a fire running. But they're all kind of in the one collection in that area. None of them are like driving around circles or whatnot or anything crazy like that. Correct. All the cars are stopped and the engines are off. I will pipe back something along the lines of nine turkeys getting ready for barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Roger that. Okay. You're getting a lot of noise on Karloff's line for some reason. <laughs> Next time on Tabletop Garden, Ego Driver. 
It is bright white and is like no car you've ever seen. In midair, I will release the mines. As part of my gear shift, uh, I think right past reverse is flames. Yes, this is all within the realm of expectation and yet entirely unacceptable. I am going to attempt to have two objects occupy the same space. And she aims that big fuck-off rifle that she's been carrying on her back directly into the front of Vake's car. Big Eyes, Small Mouth, 3rd Edition was created by Guardians of Order. The theme music for this campaign is Wasteland by Phantom Elite, available under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. For more Tabletop Garden and to subscribe to us, visit tabletop.garden. And to support the work I do, visit patreon.com slash Gregory Avery Weir.